Welcome to the Back Row Texan Show. Brought to you by the Back Row Sports Network. I'm your host, Branson Thomas, talking all things Houston Texans football. Here we go. Texans fans, this is episode six now, so we're still going strong and, you know, continuing the learning as we go process of podcasting, but overall it's been an amazing experience and I'm absolutely loving it and I'm loving bringing you guys Texans news and chatter and everything about it. You know, that being said, today has been a sad day in the NFL, longtime Dolphins head coach. Don Shula has passed away at the age of 90. He was a head coach for 33 years. He was a two-time Super Bowl champ, four-time coach of the year. He has 347 career wins. That's the most out of any coach ever. And he is also known for coaching the only perfect team in the 1972 Dolphins. And we lost him today, but like I said, he lived to 90, which is a great life. And he did an amazing part in the NFL and is by far one of the greatest coaches of all time. You can't deny that. I'm not a huge Dolphins fan, but my respects have always been with him and for what he's done for the NFL. So thank you, Don, and may you rest in peace. Now, his 72 Dolphins, this is going to put me onto a little tangent, those guys drive me nuts. Every year they get together and have a toast for the last team that has a perfect record to lose. They celebrated tremendously when the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants, which, you know, I'm fine with. It would have been really cool to kind of see the Patriots go undefeated. I'm not a Patriots fan, but just to have that be a part of that history, it would have been something special. It just annoys me. Mercury, the running back, he's just just arrogant and cocky. And I understand wanting to be the only one in history to have a perfect season. I get that. But you just, they come across terribly to me. And it just, it just bugs me. But I know it's all in, in good fun. They don't, they don't mean harm by any, any of it. They don't want people to get hurt to keep the seasons from being perfect. But At the same time, it annoys me. Now, this week, the NFL is going to have the season, the regular season schedule and preseason schedule and all of that that come out. They have, in fact, already said that there were going to be no international games. Uh, Arizona was going to host a game in Mexico City. There was Jacksonville was going to host a couple games in London. I want to say the Falcons were another team and maybe the Rams. I'm not sure on that one. But they will all be hosting them at their respective stadiums instead of internationally uh, due to COVID-19. I do think that's probably smart. The less travel 
the better. You know, that's several months away, so hopefully it's kind of all over by that and we're getting back into a more normal routine. But until that time, if at all ever we get back to a normal routine, I think this is the smart thing to do. Hopefully we get back to it next year. I do kind of enjoy the out-of-country games, bringing in the new fans, getting to see that. I mean, shoot, those games are loud, super loud. You know, those those fans really know how to get into it and really cheer. And, you know, they only get it once, maybe twice a year if you're in London right now. And they go all out. And it's crazy. It's It's great to see the game grow, and I love all of that. So some recent Texan news. Deshaun Gibson, safety that we cut after saying that depth at safety was important, uh, signed a one-year deal with the Bears. I want to say it's like $3.75 million, somewhere, somewhere in that range. And he'll be gone. I, I thought he played well for us. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him come back and continue that three-year deal that he had originally signed, but that didn't happen. Um, so we'll see how the guys going forward are. I know there's talks out there of us trading for another safety or bringing in like Eric Reed, uh, Justin Reed's brother. Justin has been lobbying Bill O'Brien to bring his brother in, but he didn't do that well in coverage last year. He wasn't the greatest safety, and we really need somebody who's going to be single high and can really roam in the back and cover guys and let Justin Reed play up closer to the box, play up, be the run stuffer, be the hard hitter up front. And that's not Eric Reed. While I think it would be really cool to have the brothers as a duo in the back, yeah, that would be cool. You know, it'd be fun to say. And then you even throw in rookie um, cornerback out of Penn State, Reed, and you have three reads in your defensive backfield. That's that's kind of fun, but no. I, I don't think Eric Reed's the answer. And then a trade with the Jets, you know, for Adams or Muse, the other safety, um, either one. I, I just don't think we have the capital, and we don't need a guy who is going to be needing a big payday within the next year. So hopefully we don't do that. But Gibson's gone to the Bears, and he's out. We are exercising quarterback Deshaun Watson's fifth-year option. That should be a no-brainer. You know, you are looking to extend him beyond that for the foreseeable future, so it is a guarantee that you should pretty much sign him to that fifth year and not have to worry about, oh my god, he might leave next year if we don't sign him. So you have that. And like I said, it's a no-brainer. I'm excited for it, and I I do think he will probably sign uh, before the season starts to an extension, a really, really large extension, but, you know, it's, it's worth it. Your team needs it. It's just about building the pieces around him in a manner in which you can afford, and that kind of needs to have a lot of people on rookie deals, so we need some picks, which we don't have, but we'll see. And then the other tidbit is Garyon Conley. We are not exercising his fifth-year option. You know, he was drafted in the first round by Oakland, same year that Deshaun Watson was, but we're not going to exercise it. And I know I said if you're going to extend them past that year, it's smart to exercise the option. I'm not 100% sure why we didn't do it for him, but at the same time, 
I do see him in the Texans uniform in the future, going forward for the next couple of years. I think they did like what he did last year, and he came in halfway through the year. That's got to be extremely tough to do, to just jump into a new team halfway through the year and try to learn the scheme, try to play you know, to, to your best ability. It's possible he gets even better after a full year under the belt. I know it's a new defensive coordinator, but it's going to be pretty similar systems, I'm sure. And I do like him. He's young and he's talented. You know, he comes with that first-round pedigree, and there's reasons he was drafted there. I do think he will do a good job, and I do think the Texans are going to sign him to a long-term deal. I think they were just trying to go a cheaper option. His fifth-year deal would have been a $10.4 million deal. I'm thinking they're going to try to go 7 or $8 million a year for him. I, I doubt he takes it. I you know, I'd try to get all I could if I was that player, but, you know, maybe they get him for nine a year and you're saving that that million dollars. Maybe they declined it so that they could make sure and have that cap space for Deshaun. And then once they've signed Deshaun, then you sign Conley to a multi-year deal after the fact. So who knows? But we're not exercising his option. Hopefully going forward, you know, he plays well for us this year and does end up getting that deal. Also this week, Brandon Cooks had an interview with the press his first time since becoming Houston Texan, and he had a lot of positive things. You know, they did ask him what it felt like to be traded uh, multiple times in his young career. You know, he's been on, this is his fourth team. He was traded from the Saints who drafted him to the Patriots. Patriots then traded him to the Rams, and then the Rams traded him to us. You know, we got him for a second. Everyone else got him for first-round picks plus. So, you know, we already got the cheapest trade out of it. He's older and has concussion issues, so rightfully so. We should not overpay for him. And a lot of people think we did overpay. But I think he's a talented wide receiver. He's only 26. You know, he's still young and could have many more great years ahead of him. And I think he will. If he stays healthy and these concussion issues don't keep coming up, he's going to kill it. I, right now, I'm predicting he's going to have over 1,000 yards this year. It'll be his fourth team to have 1,000 yards on, which would be amazing. But in his interview, you know, he talked about it as a plus. He didn't, he didn't take it negatively that teams were trading him away. He took it as teams were trading for him. He took it as a positive. He felt wanted. And that's a big deal to players. Players feeling wanted. They want to play hard for you if you want them. So he took that as a positive, which is good. You don't want to see somebody down on themselves. If he's using that, you know, that positive feel in a good way, in a positive way, then he's going to produce. So that's good. And another thing I took from this was I got off the phone with him and was ready to go run through a brick wall. That's powerful stuff. You know, that means he likes what he's hearing from Bill O'Brien. And for everybody out there who's sitting there saying nobody wants to come play for him, he has a terrible relationship with the players, he's going to keep people from coming here because of what he's doing. You then follow it up with something like that, and it completely contradicts what everyone else is saying. So it's good to hear that he's pumped, he's excited to play for for Bill O'Brien. You pair that with him wanting, him feeling one, excuse me, and you're going to have somebody who's out there kicking butt. And I think he will. Like I said, I'm predicting him to easily have over a thousand yards 
he's going to be a big part of this offense, and I am looking forward to it. For the rest of this podcast, we're going to do around the AFC South. You know, we're going to talk about what the other teams did so far, the draft, the offseason, what's what's going on. Let's start off with the ones I dislike the most, and that is your Indianapolis Colts. If you're a Colts fan, I'm sorry. I've got my brother's, uh, okay, so my brother's brother-in-law lives in Houston and is an Indianapolis Colts fan. I don't know what happened, what went wrong with you. That's weird. That's the only thing we disagree on. Otherwise, you're a really good dude, and I enjoy it. So your Indianapolis Colts this year, you know, you had Devin Funches leave, which most indie fans are going to be like, oh, no. Okay. And then Eric Ebron, which actually was a pretty big deal, considering he was a touchdown machine for him. So you had those departures. You have safety Malik Cooker, who they still haven't addressed his fifth-year option. And that deadline is today. So whether they're trying to still find a trade, a trading partner for him to where that team can then exercise it if they choose to or not, I don't know. Maybe that's why they haven't decided yet. Maybe they forgot. Oops. But either way, that's an issue with them too. Going into the draft, you know, they needed defensive line help. They needed wide receiver, O-line depth you know, defensive backfield. They they had issues like everybody else, and so that's what they did. And they started off with the 13th overall pick, which they traded to San Francisco for DeForest Buckner, defensive lineman. Heck of a player, and probably actually really good value for the 13th overall pick. So they did well there. They got their defensive line bolstered up with that, and you move on to the next pick. So their next pick's round two, and you get wide receiver Michael Pittman out of USC. He was one of the top wide receivers on my board. I would have loved to have him in Houston, but I also wanted us to go defense, defense, defense the whole draft, so can't have it both ways. But it gives them a big wide receiver to pair opposite of T.Y. Hilton and Calais Campbell. You know, he'll he'll be a threat in the red zone. So Rivers, as you know, he liked his big wide receivers, big tight ends. He's big on Mike Williams there when they were in L.A., so maybe Pittman turns into that guy for, for Rivers, which I guess I totally forgot to even start off with, but your Indianapolis Colts signed Phillip Rivers, uh, even though they still had Jacoby Brissett. Rivers is going to come in and be your starter. He's not signed to come back up Brissett by any means. We picked at 40, and then your Colts then traded up to pick number 41 to snag Wisconsin running back Jonathan Taylor, who is an absolute stud. He is the only one who ever had over 6,000 yards in his three years there at Wisconsin. It's crazy. I think he had like 12 200-yard games, uh, Walker Award winner twice. The dude killed it. He's arguably the top back in the draft for a lot of people, um, but that's a whole different debate. But either way, Indianapolis got him, and... It's been told that he is going to be the one-two punch with Marlon Mack. I think that will happen for the first five weeks. And then it's going to be Taylor and Mack backing him up. The kid's a stud, and he's going to give us trouble and everybody else trouble. So hopefully we can handle him. Hopefully we kind of pump up those little fumbling issues that seem to uh, come about when people talk about him. So we'll be all over that. But anyways... 
They also got Julian Blackman, safety out of Utah in the third round because they needed another safety. And like I said, with Malik Hooker, that ordeal going on, they're shopping him uh, for a potential trade. This guy could come in and, and help them right away. And they needed help in the secondary. So they took him. They also took Jacob Eason, quarterback, in the fourth round. Big arm guy, just somebody to come in and learn behind Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett. Anybody else in that quarterback room is pretty much going to hit the road after the training camp ends. They got their quarterback of the future, they're hoping anyways, once Philip retires in two years maybe. Either way, those are their main picks that they they got and... You know, they they did get some O-line depth, some more defensive backfield depth, and I think another wide receiver uh, throughout the draft. They have several picks, but that's that's the gist of it. A lot of people think they are the number one team in the AFC South. I disagree. I think there's going to be some growing issues. I do think Rivers is probably going to have a really good year behind that great offensive line, which sucks, but it is what it is. They play us tough. We play them tough. Hopefully we're the ones who come out on top. He can throw a couple more interceptions to us. So that'll be it for the Colts. Now let's move on to the Tennessee Titans, which, you know, I like Mike Vrabel. Liked him as a as a player. He was a really good linebacker. Liked him as a coach on the Texans team. And semi-root for him to do okay, you know, for the Titans as a head coach, just because I like the guy, but never against the Texans or never when it hurts the Texans in any way. You know, they have major departures this year, too. They had cornerback Logan Ryan. Uh, right tackle Jack Conklin. They released Dion Lewis. They traded defensive lineman Casey. They're in an overhaul, and they they just went to the AFC Championship, you know, and lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Solid last year. They really were. They relied heavily on Derrick Henry, um, and for that reason, you know, they gave him the tag, which I guess some people were surprised. I'm not as much. Um, instead of signing him. And giving the tag to Ryan Tannehill, they did the opposite. They signed Ryan Tannehill to a big multi-year deal as their quarterback of the future. You know, he he does what Vrabel needs. He's not going to turn it over, and he's not going to go out and win you the game. He's going to game manage, and he does he does a decent job of that. With those losses, they are bringing in. You know, they're looking for the draft to replace some of those guys. You know, that's what they do with their first couple picks and throughout the draft. You know, round one, offensive tackle, Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia. Real big dude. He's going to get his chance right away to go start on that right side and replace Conklin. Okay, round one, check that box off. Round two, Kristen Fulton, LSU cornerback. Really good guy, solid player. He's going to come in right away and start right where Logan Ryan was. So you're already you're addressing your, their needs right away. The one that I was a little surprised on, but after you know studying some more on it, him not at all. Third round, they took running back Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State. The dude runs a four four one, was a wide receiver converted to a running back, and had zero fumbles in his career with four hundred and eighty two carries. That's crazy. That's right up Vrabel's alley. Wants to run, run, run. So this is going to be that compliment to Derrick Henry. You know, the conspiracy behind it is they're going to run Henry into the ground this year and let him go next year and move on from him. Because 
the life of a running back, especially getting that kind of workload, is super small. And it is it is terrible for these guys. They get used and abused, but it is what it is. It's the game. And the last little bit that I'll say for the Titans is they are one of the interested parties in Jadeveon Clowney. Uh, Vrabel has come out and said it. You know, they're trying to bring him in, not at the price tag that Clowney thinks he should have, uh, which is not surprising. He's, I mean, he's still a free agent. Everybody was so PO'd at Bill O'Brien for not signing the guy, and yet it's turning out to be the right decision. The guy wanted $20 million a year. He had to drop it down to $17 million a year, and nobody still has given him anything he wants. They don't see him as that kind of defensive lineman, linebacker. He doesn't get the sack numbers. He He's great against the run. Don't get, he is one of the best against the run. I, I loved him for that, but he doesn't get the sacks, and that's what people pay for. People pay for sacks. We'll see. I would really like him to not be a Tennessee Titan. I know the Jets are another one that want Clowney, so hopefully he goes that way. Who knows? Maybe he'll go to the NFC or stay with the Seattle Seahawks and, you know, not even be on the Texans' radar this year. Now we'll go to Jacksonville. They're the least of my worries. They had one fluke year where they made it to the AFC Championship. Every other year was pretty much a more loss than win year, and it's it's interesting. They had a great year. And since that year, you know, they lost Jalen Ramsey or traded Jalen Ramsey. They didn't lose him. They did it to themselves. But this year they traded away Calais Campbell. Uh, A.J. Boye is, is gone. You have some serious issues going on with Yannick Ngakwe. He wants to be traded like nobody's business. I mean, he was on Twitter having a beef with, oh, what's his face, Khan. Uh, I want to say it was the son, owner's son. So yeah, they've got issues there. And they also traded away Nick Foles, which obviously was a terrible signing on their part to begin with. But still, you traded him away. It is now the Gardner Minshew Show, which I like the guy. He's funny. His jorts, the stash. He looks like the uncle off of Napoleon Dynamite. You, you can't get mad at him there. And he played terrible against us, so it's even better. So they've got all these glaring holes, and you've got the draft. Well, they had 12 picks in this draft, which is insane. That's a ton of picks, ton of capital. And they used those picks to address what they needed, and they had a decent draft. I don't think it'll do much for them right away, but they still had a good draft. Round one, they had two picks, and they went defense-defense. Cornerback C.J. Henderson out of Florida, who many believe was possibly better than Okuda. I don't think he was, but Okuda wasn't the number one on a lot of people's boards for cornerbacks, surprisingly. Henderson was. And then with their second pick in the first, it was edge rusher Kevon Chesson out of LSU. He was the top edge rusher on the board for almost everybody. That is instantly going to help your defense, which sucks for us, but still, rookies, tough offseason. We'll see how it works out. But in round two, they helped out their offense. They went wide receiver LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado, which I want to say the first touch he had in collegiate sports was a kickoff return for a touchdown. The kid, the kid can move. He's fast. He jukes. He's, he's going to be that gadget guy, a lot of end-arounds, a lot of screens, kickoff punt return. He'll be he'll be definitely involved in that offense for, for them. 
And then back in round three, they went back to defense and went Devin Hamilton, Ohio State. That dude is a beast. I wanted him for Houston had we not gone like defensive line early. He's going to come in and be a nuisance right away. So you've got three impact players on defense already and one impact special teams slash wide receiver. So we'll see. Uh, the other two notable draftees that they did of the 12 were in the sixth round, they took quarterback Jake Luton out of Oregon State. You know, somebody that they can develop, I wouldn't necessarily say behind Minshew. He's not exactly your, like, elder. I mean, I guess he's going to be the elder in the room, but we'll see if they bring somebody else in. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then later on, they drafted O-line Ben Barch out of St. John's, Minnesota. He was a tight end converted to offensive line in put on like 75 pounds. He's the one you read about or saw, and I know they had a draft talk about him and stuff, but he's the one who had that funky protein shake he drank every day. It had seven eggs, peanut butter, cottage cheese, grits, bananas, and Gatorade. Ugh, that sounds disgusting. It looked disgusting. I think I would lose weight drinking it because of the throwing up. But... He was able to choke it down, and he gained 75 pounds over a year, which is insane. But good for him. You know, I was I was wanting to see that guy go somewhere fun, and it'll be interesting to see if he does anything for them. They uh, Another note for the Jacksonville Jaguars was Fournette, Leonard Fournette. He was on the trade block, or rumored to be anyways, and they are not exercising his fifth-year option. He was the fourth overall pick in 2017, and they don't think it's worth it. I think it'll be hard for Jacksonville to find a trade partner at this time anyways. Somebody's going to have to get hurt in the offseason for them to sweep up Leonard Fournette. Houston did it last year um, in trading for Carlos Hyde because Lamar Miller got hurt. The Jaguars are the least of my worries. They, I'm predicting, are going to be number four in the AFC South this year. Um, in the order, I think I do think the Texans repeat as AFC South champs. I then think the Colts are going to take second and, and come into the playoffs. And I think the Tennessee Titans are actually going to take a step back. That rushing offense they so relied on is not going to be as effective this year people are going to know what they're going to do and they're going to force ryan Tannehill to beat you and if you do that you might not come out on top as a titan so it's going to go houston indy tennessee and the jaguars and while i have tennessee third i do think they can still sneak into the playoffs in that seventh spot now that there's that extra spot in the playoffs so I think the AFC South is going to represent with three teams in the playoffs, which is not unheard of and not unusual and hadn't been that long ago since we did it. So Gardner Minshew is the quarterback for your Jacksonville Jaguars. But recently, is even a few days ago, they were linked to trying to sign Andy Dalton. The Bengals just released him not too long ago. Members on the coaching staff have previously coached him, so they have that tie with him. And they were linked to sign him. Um, I think he even visited. There was even a report I saw scrolling through Twitter that they were finalizing a deal for him. So it was pretty entertaining to see that he did not go there. 
and that he actually signed with the Dallas Cowboys, which absolutely made me laugh. I mean, you, Jerry Jones, leave it to Jerry to go out and pay the Red Rocket a one-year deal. Granted, it's only $3 million. Um, I think there's $4 million in incentives. But still, you're paying Andy Dalton to come in when you haven't paid Dak Prescott yet. Man, you are just stirring the pot for all these Cowboys fans to freak out more, thinking he's going to come in and take the job. You're going to let Dak walk, you're this and that. It's, it's great. I have some friends who are Cowboys fans, and I laugh at them because, frankly, I really am not a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, my family members, I've got several that are diehard fans. I, Jason Witten, he'll be my favorite Cowboy just because of who he was. Great guy, terrible at broadcasting. Thank you for coming back to the NFL. But I don't like them. I frequently call them the cowgirls. So I'm sorry, my other back row sports network hosts that host the Cowboys. Nothing against you. I'm just not a a fan of the Cowboys. And, you know, I do really enjoy rubbing it in that uh, Houston's first ever game as an expansion team September 8, 2002, was a 19-10 victory over, yes, you guessed it, the Dallas Cowboys. Super pumped about that, especially. But it's always fun to bring up. You know, it's only the second team to ever win its first game as an expansion team. Uh, the 61 Vikings were the first one. So that was cool. But that'll be it for my little jab on the Cowboys and the rest of the AFC South. Um, I do think the Texans repeat. I think... <laughs> there is no love for Houston this year at all. Um, they are ranked third in almost every ranking. Uh, some of them have them at like six and ten, seven and nine, which I do not see them having a losing season. I don't even see them having a eight and eight season. Um, it'll be a typical Bill O'Brien nine and seven, maybe, maybe ten and six, even if uh, the offense really gets clicking and and the health is there on the defense, I could see more. And, and that's with any team. You, health is the biggest concern for them all. And that's going to wrap it up for today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the information I send out or anything like that. Uh, we're on all the podcast platforms, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, you name it, we're on it. Um, and that goes for most of the Back Row Sports Network. Follow them all. If you are just a semi-Texans fan and you're a fan of some other team, go check them out. We might have a podcast out there for you. Um, we also have teams available that we don't have podcasts for. So if you're a fan, you don't even have to have podcast experience. This is my first podcast ever. Not this specific one, but this podcast show. It's my first one ever. So it's a lot of fun. You get to be passionate about your team. So come come to the Back Row Sports Network and show your team spirit. You know, come out there and share your love with the team, with the rest of the fans. Um, you can talk to me specifically, or you can talk to Jeremy Barker, the one who set all this up, um, the Back Row Sports Fantasy Show, any of them. But follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Both are at Back Row Texans. And let me know what you think. You know, if you have any questions or if you want me to talk about something specific or anything at all, really. You know, we'll go from there. I want to I wanna grow this podcast. So if you're a fan, go tell another buddy of yours. And maybe that buddy will tell another buddy of theirs. And, you know, we grow and grow and grow together. And, you know, eventually I want this to be massive. I want it to be interactive. I want to be there 
answering your questions, maybe even have a call-in time where you can talk questions live with me. You know, we put it on the podcast or eventually maybe we go live and start doing it that way. But either way, let's grow together. Share this pod with some of your friends, your buddies, and let's all be huge football fans, huge Texans fans. That's going to be it for today. Stay safe out there. I know everything's opening back up in Texas, but be smart. Don't be stupid. And don't forget, go Texans!